0: the Italian American podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. How do we do that? We do it by talking with famous Italian Americans, but also by talking with everyday Italian Americans. And that's what makes Italian Americans so great. Whether it's a famous movie star or your Nona, they have something in common, and that is their Italian American background. I am your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode, I talk to actor Michael Badalucco. How's that for an Italian name? He's a real fun guy. He's had some really big success in his acting career, which we'll get into, and he's also very involved in the Italian-American community, and I'll be meeting him next weekend at the National Italian-American Foundation Gala. Also, in our story segment of this episode, I'm going to share with you a story about something that just recently happened to me that was a very nice family moment. We do have lots of stuff going on right now. Our recipe contest goes for two more days. You can submit your favorite Italian-American holiday recipes at italianrecipecontest.com. You can submit these recipes until midnight on Halloween, so you have a few days left. The winners will be invited to the recording of a special holiday podcast episode where we will all cook your meal together, and it will publish during the holiday season. For this contest, we have teamed up with Cooking with Nona. You have heard Rosella Rago on the podcast a few times before. Her and Nona Romana will be the judges of the contest, and we have also teamed up with both the Chelly Foods, who will be donating the food for the actual cooking party for the episode. Again, that's ItalianRecipeContest.com. It's very easy. We've gotten a ton of great recipes already, but we're looking for more. So submit your recipe and you may be with us in the kitchen and on a holiday episode of the Italian American Podcast. Also, next weekend, November 3rd and 4th, Dolores and I will be at the National Italian American Foundation's Gala Weekend in Washington, D.C. We will have a booth at the Expo Siciliana Saturday, which is free and open to the public all day. On Saturday, it's great because you can come in. There's booths. There's food tastings. There's a lot of different Italian artists you can see. It's a great time. So if you're in the area, please come visit. It's at the Washington Marriott Wardman Park Hotel. So again, stop by, find us. And for all the details, you can go to NIAF.org. That's the National Italian American Foundation. So again, that's NIAF.org. And speaking of NIAF, before I introduce our guest for today's episode, I would like to offer a brief word from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola. President of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American Podcast. At NIEF, we see ourselves as the leaders of the Italian American community, and we work hard to protect our great heritage, to promote the Italian language, to build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and to serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, with over a million dollars a year in scholarships and grants, Our work provides young Italian-Americans help in earning a solid education and becoming future leaders for our community. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become a part of the Niaf family. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode. Michael Badalucco is a Brooklyn native. He got his start in the entertainment industry At a very young age, going to work with his father, Giuseppe, who's a Sicilian-born immigrant who worked as a carpenter on movie sets. His first speaking role was in the feature film Raging Bull, directed by Martin Scorsese, which led to additional roles in movies such as Broadway Danny Rose, directed by Woody Allen. Throughout the 1990s, Badalucco appeared in a series of memorable supporting roles in such acclaimed films as Miller's Crossing, Sleepless in Seattle, Jungle Fever, The Professional, and Mac. His performance in the romantic comedy One Fine Day prompted star Michelle Pfeiffer to recommend Badalucco to her husband, David Kelly, for a role in his ABC television series, The Practice. And that's where I really remember watching Michael. Not only did Bataluco get the part, but his performance as Jimmy Berluti would ultimately serve as his breakout role. In 1999, he received the Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. Next, on the big screen, he portrayed serial killer David Berkowitz in Spike Lee's Summer of Sam. He then stepped into the shoes of notorious gangster George Babyface Nelson for the throwback Coen Brothers comedy, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, and appeared in their subsequent film, the man who wasn't there. Michael is privileged to support Italian-American causes through his work with the National Italian-American Foundation and Arba Sicula, an organization which preserves, studies, and promotes the language and culture of Sicily. He is also a proud member of the New York Athletic Club, Tito Asenio, of New York and the Italian American marching club of new Orleans, where he has served as grand marshal of its annual parade in honor of St. Joseph. And he's just really a fun guy. You're really going to enjoy this interview. And the quote that I selected for today's episode because it's such a, an episode focused around family, because Michael's going to get into kind of a family reunion story, which you're going to love, I selected a quote from Princess Diana, and I know she's not Italian, but I just saw a special on her, and it's amazing how focused on family she was, even with everything she had going on in her life. And the quote is as follows, family is the most important thing in the world. All right, now I would like to welcome Michael Badalucco onto the Italian-American podcast. Michael, welcome. Thank you, Anthony. All right, so I just did some work recently with Michael on some audio work for the National Italian-American Foundation Gala that's coming up, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But now I want to talk to Michael about his... Life as an Italian-American. He's got some really interesting stories he's going to share. But Michael, start by telling our audience a little bit about your story growing up Italian-American.
1: Fortunately, uh, I grew up uh, in Brooklyn in the late 50s and early 60s, the Midwood section of Brooklyn. uh, My father was born in Sicily, and uh, he came over here uh, when he was in his 40s, and uh, it's another story, but my mother's parents were also born in Sicily. So uh, actually, I did, did one of those tests, and it said uh, hundreds of years ago, you know, when you're spitting a cup, uh, my wife, I don't know if she was disappointed or happy. There was one word. It said Sicilian. <laughs> and, uh, so <laughs> that's the kind of family I grew up in. It was it was terrific. All the. Uh, values and uh, traditions uh were all there uh, growing up of course the extended family of uh, grandparents aunts uncles cousins uh you know mainly uh the holidays were uh, very special you know sleeping on the floor with all the cousins and going to radio city in the morning and taking the train and of course uh, growing up in brooklyn uh Catholic school, faith was very important. Just sitting around, meals. My father's cousins used to come over, and they were were real Sicilians, and play the mandolin, shuji, and... uh, Tony. And uh, oh, my goodness, it was great. Yeah. Made a lasting impression on me. And uh, I always had uh, great pride uh, from where I came from and and my heritage. And I've uh, always tried to do my best to, uh, you know, put the best face forward uh, as an Italian American. Very proud of uh, of our heritage. And I think I read that your father was a carpenter. Is that right? Yes, yes. He, he was a carpenter, and when he came uh, to America, he hooked up with a group, and they all became uh, part of the union that builds sets for motion pictures back in the early 60s. So he was a member of Local 52, and he built uh, many, many movie sets. Uh, I guess his most famous one would be uh, the set for uh, Annie Hall academy yeah. award winning movie by uh, Woody Allen, where he lived under the cyclone or actually was the thunderbolt and he uh, his apartment shake because his apartment was right under, yeah. and the roller coaster was right out his way that's why he was a little nervous all the time so that's how you got into the Well, well. no, no, lucky for me. No, I always wanted to be an actor. Uh, I went to uh, Severian High School in Brooklyn. Well, I went to St. Brendan's Grammar School. Uh, I think the first thing I ever did was a a passion play. I was a Roman guard. I remember (laughs) my aunt made me a costume made out of a tin foil. You know, I think I was the one that put the, the sword in Jesus side. It wasn't a, I was a bad guy. Well, then I went on to play the son of Sam. So I guess I started as a bad guy <laughs> when you think about it. But then when I went to Severian, I started doing plays, regular uh, theater and uh, a musical theater and Arthur Miller plays. And uh, uh, we had these variety shows that we did. And, and, um, I always felt very comfortable on stage, and I always felt uh, that I could express myself the best when I was, uh, you know, on stage. And um, so, at the end of my uh, high school days, uh, when I was looking at colleges, I, I found the Newport State University, and they had a wonderful theater program. And I, I told my parents I wanted to apply f- to be an actor, to be in the theater program you know and uh, they were skeptical and uh, well don't you want to have something to fall back on and but uh, luckily uh, I went there they were very very supportive and but when I graduated college uh, you ask about the movie business instead of being a waiter I worked as a prop man on uh, movie sets and uh, as a standby prop so I worked with Woody Allen and Martin Scorsese and on the sets and little by little I did theater and then I But 20 years after I graduated college, I got a steady job as an actor. Wow. Steady job where you can make a living.
0: Right. So your parents were always supportive of you wanting to be an actor? Well, they
1: were skeptical, but yeah. supportive. Yes. As a matter of fact, when I interviewed, uh, I just saw my professor a few weeks ago. So I had to go up and I had an interview uh, to get into this program. I had to basically audition, you know, so, you know, here I am in this young act, you know, who knows what you're doing. And, and uh, I made up some monologue from the Canterbury Tales where I was like a chicken and a, I don't know what I was doing. But I did it. Joe Papron was the professor. He was Italian-American as well. His father was also born in Sicily. And then we start talking. I said, oh, yeah, my father, I drove up with my father. Oh, your father's here. Oh, my father's a carpenter. Oh, he says, my father was a carpenter. From, oh, tell your father to come in. Well, my father goes in there. They talk for an hour, you know, and they become the best of friends. And when I get a, Joe says, don't worry, you're in. So, <laughs> I give my father credit for that. In fact, I just saw Joe a couple of weeks ago. So they were very supportive. i never forget, I was a uh, second semester freshman, and I auditioned for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which is this big musical. Very, very funny. And somehow I get to lead. Well, this guy Joe was the director. Well, now that I think about it. So I get to lead as pseudolist. Very funny part. Zero Mostel played it uh, on Broadway. Anyway. My whole family came up. My mother made eggplant parmesan, baked ziti, (laughs) rice balls. They basically were, the whole matinee on that Sunday matinee was full of my relatives from Brooklyn. Then afterwards, they baked, they made a spread. We went back to the dorm and they fed everybody. It was fantastic. So I would say that they were very supportive. And, 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 And quite honestly, just to finish it, the best thing was when I told you 20 years, when I got the practice in 1996, both of my parents were still around, and they got to see me on TV, yeah. and they got to see that I was nominated for an Emmy. And my mother, who was sort of the end of towards the end of her life, but she kept saying, "Oh, I'm Jimmy, I'm Jimmy's mother," you know, she was very yeah. proud. So for them to see that really meant meant a lot to me to see me on the TV, and yeah. you know.
0: That's that's great. Yeah, I always it's funny because I've talked to some friends about this and they always say, like, as Italians, it's like you could do anything and they could go on, be president, do this. But if you're on TV, like that's the thing that your parents are like, you know, there's my son or there's my dad. Th- he was on TV, you know. Oh, <laughs> my
1: goodness. My goodness. Yes, yes, yes. That's it, like it, the, it big, that's a, the big. that's
0: the big winner. That's the thing that everyone's looking for.
1: Like, you know, but um, and, and you know what? And I played a good guy, too. I didn't play a. Uh, Someone who was undesirable. I was right. a good lawyer who did his best for, uh, in his job. And, and that was good too.
0: Right. So talk about that. That was your role in the practice. What was it? Jimmy Berluti. Was that right? Jimmy Berluti. Yes. Jimmy yes, Berluti. Tell us how you got to that point. You had been doing movies earlier on, right? Or you've been in
1: a bunch of movies. Yeah, I was in a bunch of movies. Like I said, I I worked as a prop man, and uh, how I I got my first movie is a good story, too. But we'll we'll jump ahead to the practice. I was uh, knocking around. I was in a movie. I came out to L.A. uh, I was cast in, in a little, little role with Michelle Pfeiffer in a movie called One Fine Day, and I played a cop. Actually, I used my mother's maiden name on the badge. Her maiden name is Bonomo. B O N O M O. I was Officer Bonomo. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I did this little scene with Michelle Pfeiffer, and then I was knocking around. Uh, in those days, you didn't have a cell phone. You, you really had an answering machine, but to call your answering machine, of course, money. So I didn't have my answering machine on or nothing, and uh, I, I was sort of roaming around. And my agent sent me for an audition for a role uh, on this new series, but just for a, a day player, just for one little part. It was the part of a flasher. A uh, guy wore a raincoat and, you know, opened open himself up there. I like to say uh, I didn't get it. They gave it to somebody uh, bigger than me, but taller than me taller than, <laughs> than me, taller than me, taller than me. But when I was doing this audition, I was, you know, whatever I was doing, I was being very serious, actually, as this flasher. And the whole room was cracking up laughing like they were really responding. Anyway, I didn't hear for a long time. Right. And finally, I get reached by someone who was a producer that was in the room who I had known from another project. And he says to me, David Kelly wants to see you. OK, so I go to the lot. David Kelly wants to see me. I walk into the thing, and then this is the second time this only happened. He points his finger at me. He says, "Mike, I just wrote a part for you," and he starts explaining. This Italian American guy, you're not going to be in the pilot because I already wrote it. But then you blah, 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 and all this. Wow. I said, "Wow, I was right." So now yeah. I'm like, "Oh, cool." So now, little time goes by, and I find out, you know, David Kelly is married to Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. I find out now uh, the show is a hit and the show was nominated for Emmys in 1998 and we have a little party before and Michelle Pfeiffer is there. Now, I hadn't seen her since that scene. And she goes, did David tell you the story? And I I said, no, no. So so he goes, you know, when I came home the night from the dailies, I had the dailies of my scene with you. And I said to David, I said, I want to show you this scene that proves an adage. There are no small parts Only small actors, and she shows him the scene that I did with her, which was a small little scene. Right, Eva Kelly goes, You gotta be kidding me, this is the guy that came in to the audition last week, and I'm writing a part for this guy. He was great, gosh, you know. Now, you want to call that. Divine inspiration. Yeah, I thought you she want to said call that something. A Holy
0: Spirit moment. Yeah, I thought she's like I had read about it, and I thought that she said to him, "Like you got to see this guy," but that wasn't the case. He had seen you on his own, and then he
1: had seen me on his own. Wow. She, I had because that's why I was in LA to do the part in the, her movie, a little little part. So I like to call that a Holy Spirit moment, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, fate and fate, and and that was those two things came together. And there I was for eight seasons uh, on the practice, which was a wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful job. Uh, Great writing. I mean, when you had writing like that, you know, it was it was great. So talk about this
0: career as an actor. I mean, it's obviously something where you go from project to project. It sounds like you're always looking for different things, new things. How is it? Maybe you could just talk about how is it as a career? Like, I mean.
1: Well, you know, you want to call it a career. I, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't call it that. Uh, you know, it, I guess it can be a. It's a lot of knocking around. You know what I mean? For me, like I said way back in high school and college, I didn't care if I made five dollars, or five hundred dollars, or five thousand dollars. This is who I was. This right. is what I felt I could do best. Yeah. So for many many years, you know, I lived from hand to mouth. Collecting unemployment, I never got married until I was in my forties. After I got to practice, you know, I was able to fend and and take care of myself. Right, going from job to job, not it wasn't about money. It was about I was doing what I wanted, and that made me I was content and I was happy to be able to do that. But did I ever think, well, you know, am I ever gonna be able to? I got to be honest, but when I think back, I said I never really did that. I just went from job to job and did the best that I could. Right. Just did the best, and and little by little, I started getting more things. I actually went to school with John Turturro in uh, Newports. He was a freshman, and I was a senior. And we hit it off in college. We did uh, a lot of plays together, A View from the Bridge. And then when he started to uh, make it, when Spike Lee movies and Coen Brothers movies, he would introduce me to them. He goes, you got to see my friend, my buddy, Mike. Then I would go into the room. And that was the other time a director said to me, I auditioned for a movie for Spike Lee called Jungle Fever. And whatever I did, I did this monologue. I got dressed like a cougie from Brooklyn, so to speak. After I did whatever I did, he pointed at me, he goes, mike you got the job wow just on the spot yeah that was like that never happened i mean never <laughs> ever it was just it. that david kelly and him that was it otherwise you just wait by the phone and it never rings and you say oh boy well it's good because it sounds like it's it's completely clear that this is for you
0: right the acting like you know like you knew i guess from way back that that's where you were
1: comfortable that, that that's what i was comfortable with and then like i said i did get support from my parents. I mean, they were there for me, you know, and, uh, you know, and I, I was working as a prop man. So I was making some money there to pay for rent and pay for things. And little by little, I had to get away from that because everybody, Oh, you're the prop guy that wants to be an actor. Right. No, no, no. I'm the actor that's working as a prop man. There's <laughs> yeah. a difference, you know, there's a difference. So that was another thing that was pretty satisfying. Cause little by little, as I started to getting more roles, people realized, you know, uh, Oh yeah he is an actor
0: (laughs) No it's good because you know you talk to a lot of people And they're like I think I want to be an actor I'm going to try this or I think I want to do this I'm going to try this But it was kind of like your mindset was kind of like I'm an actor so I just got to make it work You know what I mean it wasn't like I'm going to try this It's like that's what I am I just got to make it No I'm
1: sticking in it And luckily luckily, it did work (laughs) Yeah, You know by the grace of God it did work out You know Uh, And now you know now I'm at a point where uh, People send me the script I mean I Believe me, there's a lot of things, but uh, I'm very content. I'm I'm happily married. I have a wonderful wife, Brenda. She's one of 10, grew up in Ohio, not Italian, but she knows how to make arangini. She knows how (laughs) to make spadini, bake ziti. She's the best. I have an extended family on that time. Like I say, she has nine brothers and sisters. Wow. And I ha- I have a brother and a nephew, a battle He's working in the business as a prop man. And I'm very happy that way. And mm. I split my time between Manhattan Beach and, and Manhattan in New York City. And I do whatever product is. I just did a movie in Italy for the first time. It was fantastic. Oh, wow. a, th- a director called me and he said, well, you want to be in this movie? And it was it shot in Alto Adige. Northern Italy and the Mm. foothills of the Dolomites. The city was Trent, Trento. Oh, what an experience it was. It's called Blue Wonder. The director was Hermes Cavanini. It was quite an experience. And, yeah, it was fun. Great fun. Was that that all in English or – you know, it's all in English. Okay. It takes place. It, it, it's in English, but I'm a guy that runs a hotel like a castle in Italy, so I speak a little Italian here and there. I throw okay. some stuff in, but it, but it takes. It, it's an English <laughs> movie, but it just takes place in Italy. Okay. And then right after that, this director I worked with, her name is Angela Shelton. She directed me in a movie called Heart Baby that's actually coming out uh, in November. It's a true story about a boxer uh, from the 80s who was in prison. And uh, I won't say any more than that, but it's a very moving, uh, emotional story. And she just directed another goofy movie about golfers called uh, The Eagle and the Albatross. Hmm. And uh, I just did that. And now I'm yeah. here and, and waiting to do something uh, with a kid I met in on the Italian movie. So little stuff like that. But I'm looking forward to this NIAF thing. That's my next big project. The meeting you in person and and going down to Washington, D.C. Uh, next weekend for the NIAF gala.
0: Yep, that's right. Next weekend we're going to be in Washington, D.C. for the National Italian American Gala. We're going to have a booth there, the podcast, so you could stop by. I did some work with Michael. I'm on some audio that's going to be there that that you'll hear if you come, which is which is some beautiful Sicilian and English back and forth with Michael and another artist. And so uh, it's going to be great. It's a great weekend, especially the expo. There's tables, there's booths. The guys from Arthur Avenue come. They set up a big thing. They got oh, food. It's
1: fantastic. It is. Yeah. If anybody fun. can make it down, and you just get in your car, come down to Washington yeah. D.C. It's uh, at the Marriott. Uh, down there, but just go to niaf.org. that dot org. You'll get all the information and the Expo Siciliana is gonna be great. I don't know if you know Tony Danono, he's a good friend of mine that I know for many years. He's gonna do the Sicilian marionettes oh, and uh great. we're gonna have uh you know David Greco's he's already making the Vasted the, the Sicilian uh specialties and, yeah. and uh like you mentioned Nino Provenzano we're gonna have a reading I'm a member of Arba Circula which is uh an organization that promotes the culture and language of Sicily. This year, the region that they're honoring at this NIAF uh, gala is Sicily. Yes. So uh, Nino's coming down and Professor uh, Gaetano Cipolla, who's a, a linguist and speaks the Sicilian language, and, and we're going to promote the wonderful culture and uh, ancient history of Sicily. And uh, it's just going to be great. So, It's going to be
0: fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the expo itself is free and open to the public so just all you gotta do is come just show up come in right david greco was has been on the podcast before i was actually um at arthur avenue with him behind the counter we did a podcast i sat there when 45 minutes people are oh my god when he's making
1: mozzarella (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so (laughs) the
0: funny thing is at the expo last year he was making the mozzarella he had it all there and he said to me he said you know i bring the water from new york he brings buckets and gallons and gallons of water. He's like, I'm, I can't use the water here. He's like, it's got to be the water from New York. So that, I, that, I was dying. But and then, then I thought about it and I told my wife and she's like, of course he brought the water. He had to bring the water.
1: David Greco was a good friend of mine. That's another story. But when I was working on the practice and, and I had a wonderful crew and staff there, and it's a long story, but just to make it short, I used to have David send his six foot sandwiches overnight fedex them <laughs> to my dressing room and we would have these great lunches when the yankees are in the world series yeah. when it was christmas time and these guys in california they never taste anything like it That 60 year old guys used to have a little gabagola and they'd bite yeah. into that with the with the provolone and go oh my god what is <laughs> this what do you mean what is that I never tasted anything like this in my life. I said, well, this is how you eat when you're from New York. Yeah. So
0: uh, so. that's great. All right. So let's get into this now. You have family, of course, in Sicily. And we talked a little bit about this story. So tell me the background of your family there and how you connected with them.
1: Well, my father was born in Sicily, in Pacheco, Sicily. It's a little town uh, in the region of uh, of Trapani. It's just west of uh, Palermo, but not as far west as Trapani. And in 1977, I was. Uh, a college student, and it was a mid-winter uh, break, and and I think it was around the time The Godfather came out, actually, because I remember I bought a little cap, and I, I said I got to go back. I want to see where where you were born, Daddy. I, I want to see the town. So he said, "Fine." So he he wrote to some of his cousins that lived in the next town. I went with a friend, and we went to Paris. Anyway, I wind up in Sicily in Marauza, and there is. Giovanni and Nenetta, which were his cousins, his age. And they had a son named Giuseppe. And I stayed in the town. And then they took me to Pacheco, where my father was born. And there was the house, a little two-room house. I'll never forget, I brought a Polaroid camera with me and a little book. And I took <laughs> a picture of all his neighbors, whoever they were, Don Cheech, this one. And I would put it in the book, and then they would write underneath. Okay. 1977, Anthony, I was in my 20s. Yep. Well, as time goes by, sure, I'd been back to Italy and Rome and Venice and with my wife and blah, blah, blah. But I had never been back to Sicily. And now came the time, my friend Nino Provenzano, that's his poem that we read, right. he's from Castellammare del Golfo, which right there. You can see it on the map. Yeah, okay. Kind of in the up. Yep. All right. So, He's been wanting me to go with him for over 20 years. When are you coming? Because he goes every every year. So this year I said, I don't care. I'm going, whatever. Then I get the movie in Italy. I go back to New York and I got to go back to Sicily. Fine. said, Nino, all I want to do is go to the town where my father was born, try to find that house. But maybe I'll stop by. This Marausa. I remember the street, Via Pastore. Now I know the older cousins are dead, and I really never kept in touch with Giuseppe at all. Maybe early on for the first five years, but forty years went by, Anthony. Wow. I go there with Nino, my wife, and his, his niece, their Sicilian. I find a house, the same house from 40 years ago. I see it says Giuseppe Giliberti. <laughs> Ring the bell. Woman comes to the door with a little kid. Said, yeah, uh, well, I say, Bonjour or something? Yeah, vouio parlare con uh, Giuseppe. I'm Michael Badalucco. <laughs> Michael Badalucco. Michael Badalucco. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. <laughs> Michael Badalucco. Sono okay. qui. Michael Badalucco? Well." Oh Giuseppe comes out. He's this big hulking farmer. I mean, forty years. Yeah. Michael and is he's talking. You came back. I've thought about you so often, and you uh. know, over the years, I never knew what happened. Well, we embraced oh and hugged, and my wife and Brenda and Nino you know, come eat. Anthony, and you know this because of your book and the right. work that you do to right. promote things like this. This changed my life. We were flabbergasted, overwhelmed with emotion. Sunday, he said, you have to meet my... Now, I have just a wife, Brenda. I don't have kids or anything. He says, you come back Sunday. You'll meet my whole family. Three kids, you know, they're in their 30s. Three kids, all married, six grandkids. Ninetta, that's his wife, made couscous trapanese with the the seafood and the fried and the goose." Unbelievable! We're going back. I just talked to them now. I don't even have a smartphone. See, I have a I have a flip phone. My <laughs> wife has a smartphone. We went on that uh, WhatsApp and we just spoke to yeah, them this the Sunday. WhatsApp. Yeah, Yeah, We're going back. We're going back in December wow. for Christmas. We're going to oh, be with them. That's so it was great. unbelievable. The day we spent together, I could. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Wait, bring so the you patient. hadn't
0: talked to this guy in 40 years, and you showed up on his no. doorstep.
1: But listen, yes. But listen to this. So now I'm there and I'm talking. I teeth is broken. You see how I speak Sicilian. It's like (laughs) Sicilian Brooklyn A is broken. And now the oldest son comes out. The oldest son says, look at these pictures. And he shows me pictures that I had sent after 1977 to his mother and his father Pictures of me and my brother when they got married. Pictures of me, uh, you know, uh, my father. I had written to his mother, but not to Giuseppe. Giuseppe was 20-year-old like me. So then there's a picture. We did the play, the famous Arthur Miller play, A View from the Bridge, which is about an Italian family. You know the play. Yeah. And they have an 8 by 10 of the play. Why? Because in the play, when I did it, and John Turturro was in it with me, on the set, I put a picture of my grandfather in an oval frame that my father had brought from Sicily. That's their cousin, their father's cousin. Right. Right? Picture of my grandfather was on the set because it made it authentic like we were an old Sicilian family. And he had an eight by 10. I must have sent that to his oh. mother to show his cousin in the picture. Oh, so he God. starts bringing out all these pictures that I sent. The grandmother of the kid, you know what I mean, like uh, not to step to the grandmother to the mother, so there was the connection. It was like, yeah, this is not just something like this is this is here. This so you didn't remember
0: sending it at the time, like now. I mean,
1: you know what? It was forty years ago. You know, maybe. For the first five years, yeah, I yeah, used to write yeah. something. I remember when they died, the, the parents. But we never really That's connected amazing. in that way. That is amazing. Oh, now we're we're full steam ahead. We talk to them. I, I talk to the kids, and uh, it, it's a. It, it, it's, you know what? You know this. It's life-changing. It's life-changing, and I, yeah. No I urge everyone, anyone listening, if you can, try to go back and find your roots. You will not be disappointed. You can't believe it. You think, oh, they're strange. Oh, you don't know. I don't know. 40. What do you mean? It was like I was gone 40
0: minutes. Listen, people, people don't realize that they have relatives there. A lot of Italian Americans just say, "I don't, I, I don't have any relatives there. My family came here." But like that's what happened with me. My great grandfather came here with his brother. His brother didn't like it here. He went back. He had his family, and they're there. Right. And I just, right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just about forty, and I just found them two years ago, and now I, like you, I could keep in touch with them. Whereas if I didn't try, and the same thing happened with me because my grandmother's sister has visited them 10 years ago and she told me, I was like, really? I was like, I wish somebody would have told me. And then when I found these people on Facebook, the first thing they did was they sent me the picture of my grandmother's sister at their farm. And I told my,
1: I said, that's them. You know what? And now, I mean, this was back 40 years. We didn't have no Facebook. We didn't no, have right, none right, of right. that stuff. But now even more, what <clears throat> you're promoting with your book and, and 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 you know what you're doing is – it's so much easier to keep in touch. You know what I mean? It's so right. much easier to make that connection right. with this, all this genealogy stuff. And even at this NIAF thing, there's so many things that you can reach out. Oh, highly recommended. Highly yeah. recommended. Especially, I got to say, for us Italians. There's yeah. something about being Italian that, that, I don't know, I can only relate to it because I'm Italian, I'm Sicilian, but... It was something there that, yeah, I had you the know, same my wife too. is from Ohio, you know, and she was like, my wife is learning Italian. She learned to speak Italian. Yeah. She's from Ohio. She's German, Irish, whatever. Yeah. She she was overwhelmed by by, by this 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 welcoming, this love. It, it was great. It yeah, was great. Uh, let me it, tell it you,
0: let me tell you, when I went to Sicily, because my family's from Siracusa, so they're from, like, the, you know, the southeastern side, but when I came into Catania, uh flew into Catania we weren't supposed to see them for a week we were going to go to west first and then come back and stay with them for some time but sure enough when we got to the airport even though they were over an hour away there's 20 of them there with a sign right. waiting right. for us they took right. us out to lunch right. they walked us around gave us a tour of Catania then they went home and then we went on our way and then we got back to them I told my wife we we walked out of the air we walked out of the airplane and said oh my what are they I can't believe they're here right
1: it's yeah, unbelievable." unbelievable. It, <laughs> it, 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 you know what? And it's hard we, we, to explain, you know, right? I mean, us being first generation, or second generation, whatever, right. we have some of that, but it's not. That's what it is. That's where we come from, Anthony. Yeah. That's why we're the way we are. And there was proof right there. It was. Yeah. It was just there, and it's. Um, So, yeah, yeah. So. uh, No, it's great. I mean, it's a great story.
0: And that's why I try to really preach to everybody. Go back to where you were from. I don't care if there's people there or not that, you know, it's just worth a trip. It's worth a trip to see it because. To
1: see, to to see because it's, it's part of you. I remember the first time I went there 40 years ago when I was walking on the beach with Giuseppe, I'll never forget. We would walk on the beach by the sea and there's something I felt like I was home. I felt yeah, comfortable. I, felt the same I had way. visited Rome on that trip and I felt like I don't want to be here. I don't feel you know, when I was there walking there, it's like yeah, there's something here that that that's so comfortable and so at home. And
0: uh, yeah, listen, when I got this when I was in Sicily and we met my family for the first night or two, my one aunt, I guess you could call her, who was probably in her sixties, you know, older Sicilian. My my Italian's conversational, and she was speaking the old school Sicilian. I told my wife I said, I have no business understanding anything this woman's saying, but I pretty much understand everything she just said to me. Right.
1: You right know? It's inside. Right. Yeah. Me too. I don't practice at home. Yeah. And, you know, and believe me, my wife is going, I didn't know you spoke Italian. I said, first of all, <laughs> it's not Italian I'm speaking. I'm speaking Sicilian. Right. And then my brother called up and he he tried to talk to them and they're talking English. And he goes, oh, you, he goes on the phone with me. You don't, I'm over there in Sicily, right? Yeah. You don't speak Sicilian. I said, do me you eyeballs I don't see or no and all my cousins go see see policies <laughs> ah uh, joe I don't talk to say what the matter it's in from it's, all yeah, those years of hearing our grandparents is. our parents uh, it's just in there and then it comes out now it's amazing. It's really, I would love just, to know you, what yeah. it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I mean, know it's just
0: you just communicate with them. I don't know how to explain it, but you just communicate exactly. with them. I mean, there's hand
1: gestures, exactly. there's speaking, there's talking, there's whatever it takes, and exactly right, communicating yeah. with them. It's it's, it's fabulous. It yeah. just it's just.
0: All right. Well, Michael, listen, thank you so much for taking the time, sharing your story here. It's great. And these are the kind of stories we try to get out to people so that they can try to understand what they can feel if they're lucky enough to get back. And they really take the initiative and go back um, and find your family. And, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting Michael next weekend. I hope you'll come down and join us. Come down to the gala in Washington, D.C., the expo's free and open to the public. You can walk around. you can taste great italian food we'll have arthur avenue'll be down there they'll be singing they'll be there'll be music they'll be dancing it's just going to be a lot of fun so and i'll please. have
1: the pictures to show you i'll have the pictures of my cousin giuseppe and i'll we'll 'll we'll, show you and I'll tell everybody the story and I want to commend you anthony for your powerful purpose that uh, that you have for for connecting people in the way you do i think it's it's extraordinary and and it's very very special and and uh, I, I wish you m- much more success with it. And uh, if I could ever help in any way, let me know.
0: Thank you, Michael. It's now time for the Italian American story segment of the episode. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations, or we try to play a recording or a story from one of our listeners or our own relatives, or even read something that a listener submitted. Well, in today's segment, I'm going to tell you about something that just happened to me within the last few weeks. I've been speaking at libraries and festivals all over with my book, 40 Days in Italy, Con La Mia famiglia for this month of October, which is Italian American Heritage Month. Now, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on my book for some context for those of you that aren't familiar with it. I wrote a book about spending the last three or four years diving into my Italian American heritage, asking questions of my grandparents, starting with my grandmother, who you've heard possibly on the podcast before because we've had some recordings of her on. But I asked her questions and then I went online and did research. Then I found living relatives in Italy Then I learned Italian, then I planned this 40-day trip, and then I took the trip. And so my grandma, Joe, was really the first person that I sat down with with my laptop and started doing the research, which ultimately culminated in the book and the trip and the journey and everything else. And so I've been speaking with this book, and the point of the book is to try to get more Italian-Americans to go back to their ancestral villages. And if you go to italianamericanstory.com, I put together a little webpage for the book with a video which has clips and highlights of my trip and you'll even see me singing a little Italian. Again, that's italianamericanstory.com. So anyway, I've been, now I've been on the road trying to speak wherever I can with the book to again get this information to the hands of Italian Americans and hopefully get as many of you as possible to go back to the region of Italy where your family's from. And what was pretty cool is that, you know, my grandmother's 90, so she's older now. Um, it's not that easy to get around, but I did a talk this past weekend at the Bloomfield Public Library in Bloomfield, New Jersey, which is probably a good 30 minutes or so from where we're located. And sure enough, my my father brought my grandmother there and it was a surprise for me and it was really nice to have her there. And she sat through the talk and she was, of course. You know, telling everyone in the room that that I was her grandson, um, but it was just nice to have her because she was such an integral part of it, and for her to be there and to be able to go through the talk was special. And again, it just speaks to family, and when people do things like that, you know, family go out of the way to make those things happen. It's a special moment, and so I did take a picture of it. I did post it on our Facebook page, which is the Italian American Podcast, um, and you can check that out there. And along those lines, I've been getting a lot of questions about Italian genealogy research, so we're going to try to do a little bit more on that. I'm working on a a massively long blog post that an article that can go on our website that kind of captures all the information. The information's in my book and also I recently read a a really good book called Murder in Matera, which I've actually been told about by several of our listeners Um, and they kept asking me about the author, Helene Stepinski to have her on the show. So I connected with Helene and we are going to be talking and we are going to have her coming up on an upcoming episode of the Italian American Podcast and she did something very similar to me but it was (laughs) but she kind of uncovered this murder mystery in her family that she was trying to search through. So it's really interesting. So we have that coming up for you too. I hope you enjoyed the episode for today. Remember to connect with us on the social medias. We're on Instagram at Italian American. We're on Twitter at Ital American. And of course, Facebook, the Italian American podcast. And don't forget, you have a few more days to get those recipes in at Italian. Recipe Contest dot com. A dopo.